In today's show, we're going to be talking Utah Jazz with the host of the Locked On Jazz podcast, David Locke. Michael Bolton, he's here as well. Thanks, Josh. It's Michael Bolton here, and it's time for another episode of the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Indeed. You are Locked On Fantasy Basketball, your daily fantasy basketball podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter, as always, at RedRock underscore B-Ball and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. We're going to talk Utah Jazz, so let's uh, let's waste no time and let's get into speaking about the Utah Jazz. All right, so here he is, the host of the Locked On Jazz Podcast, David Locke, is here. David, welcome back to the show. Look at you. You're Josh Lloyd, the Locked On Fantasy Basketball is the number one fantasy basketball show in the world. Absolute killing it everywhere. YouTube people checking you out all the time. It is an honor, a privilege. It once was that I like it was neat if I no, now it's me on your show. Well, it's this is what happens when I bring my own hype man on just to just to just to gas me up for the day. Nice start to a Friday, get someone to to talk me up, uh, David. And you're here to talk up the Utah Jazz as well because they were the number one seed in the Western Conference. Of course, things didn't go exactly to plan after that in the playoffs, but they're uh, they're reloading. They're looking to go again. And I ask all of my hosts this as we start the show: What is your opening night starting five? This is perhaps the easiest one out of every single team that we're covering. There is no debate here at all. Yeah, I think it's the exact same starting five as we saw a year ago. It's Mike Conley with Donovan Mitchell, Boyan Bogdanovich, Royce O'Neal, and Rudy Gobert pending a hamstring or a sprained ankle that we that happened at the end of the year. So, uh, But that will be the starting five for the Utah Jazz uh, whenever they can, and that's what they've built. Um, and it's been you know wildly successful, um, and there's great variations off it. What they have is kind of inside their group of players. They can kind of adjust them and have guys play different roles, um, and hopefully they've added some roster versatility this year. Yeah, well, that's the thing. Like that, that starting lineup is locked in. It's solid. There'll be guys that, that sit. We know Mike Conley is going to be sort of managed, I guess, with his hamstring problems that he's had over the last couple of years, and, and that's fine. They've got that depth, and there's – yeah, there's real solidarity and um, consistency in that group, which I think is part of the reason they were able to push so high last season and be so good during the regular season. But they did make some changes into their bench group, David. Um, and, and I think they made some significant upgrades in that group in terms of the main rotation coming off the bench there. You've got the sixth man of the year and the runner-up of the sixth man of the year, Jordan Clarks and Joe Ingles. And then two new players who are probably going to be uh, probably most night contributors, I guess. So I think Rudy Gay replaces George Niang, who did have a you know a really successful and probably I don't even know from a fantasy standpoint that three point shooting might not have been a bad thing to have on the back of a bench somewhere, um, but he he also has the capability. I mean I think he scored fifteen or more in like thirty percent of his games last year for the Spurs, so he can still put it in the hole if they need another score. And then Hassan Whiteside is going to be really interesting. It was obviously a flop last year in Sacramento, but the year before in Portland he was pretty good and. You know what? The, last year, the Jazz had a real problem, which they've actually had for two years in a row now, which is the minute you took Rudy Gobert off the floor, they were really, really bad defensively, and that's been going on for two years. Now, that may just be the reality that Rudy Gobert is the best defensive player in the world by a long while, but the Jazz last year when Gobert was off the floor were in the 23rd percentile defensively. 
23rd percentile. And Favors is not terrible, but he didn't have a great year, and he's really only 6'10". So Whiteside at 7'1", what I think is 7'7", reach, can emulate Rudy at least physically in some ways. Now, we'll see. Maybe not. Maybe he's maybe he's done sac- his failure in Sacramento as a sign that the knees are gone or something else. We saw it with Ed Davis. Ed Davis had a good year in Brooklyn, came to Utah, couldn't bend down to pick up a ball anymore. So it happens fast for these guys. Yeah, I'm going to, uh, not not to be too much of a spoiler here, David, but I'm going to tell you that Whiteside's not very good defensively at all. He blocks shots, but uh, yeah, his defense often uh, will leave leave a little bit to be desired. So we'll so, see. Maybe, maybe no, he can... Josh, Josh, let me jump in there because yeah. I actually generally have agreed with that for okay. most of his career early, but I actually thought he evolved in Miami to stop the what was kind of that, abs- I don't know if absurd's the right word, but... You know, he was so block shot obsessed that all you had to do was get him in the air and then drop it off to the guy behind him, right? There was actually a great line once about a player who I really like, so I'll leave it out. He was a great rebounder, didn't do much else. And um, I said, gosh, he's one of the coaches. I say, such a great rebounder. And they said, yeah, but he's responsible for most of the makes. Um, He does get the misses. He's just responsible for most of the makes. So with Whiteside did used to be a guy who I think you would say, like, Hey, blocks a lot of shots. Great, except for the fact that the ones he doesn't block are lips. It, if you look at his numbers and dig in, he changed a little bit in Miami over the time. They actually got a little. They were actually a better defensive team with him on his on the floors last year. Even he was a better defensive team with him in um, in Portland. So I think that's very real, Josh. In the first three years he spent in Miami, I'm not sure that that didn't evolve. A little differently in the last two years. And, you know, certainly Miami fans were tired of him because they had Bam out of Bayou coming. Okay, well, he's probably the third, fourth best setter in the NBA, so they should have been. Yeah, look, I, I, I hate on Hassan Whiteside on this show a lot, but to give him credit, he ha- he did improve defensively. And in Portland, he was pretty solid defensively. He's still not as good as yeah, maybe a casual fan will think just by looking at block shots in terms of what his defense is, but it did improve. Now, he was abysmal last season in Sacramento, and there was obvious... Um, issues with him and the organization and the front office and the coaching staff and whatever it was. He just was not, he was not right at all. And we'll see whether that's a physical thing or it was a mental thing. And that can change he, by playing for a he good gave team. A quote, he gave a oh, quote God, in his go. media session. I never know what to do with these quotes. So his comment was, I'm excited for basketball the first time in a while. And I was like, all right, well, so clearly things were awful in Sacramento. Yep. But like it's a little unnerving that at some point in time you were unexcited for basketball. So we'll find out over time. If, if frankly though, I will say this: it's it's actually a worthwhile. It sounds silly for you and I to be spending this much time with the Utah Jazz on Hassan Whiteside. I would actually argue the other way. I actually think this much time talking about Hassan Whiteside actually has some real value to it. And I think the like Eric Pascal, Rudy Gay is probably the other one to talk about. It's the only things that are new. And the real weakness that there were two very, very significant weaknesses for the Utah Jazz last year. One was that when Rudy Gobert was off the floor, they were terrible defensively. And two is that they didn't have the roster versatility to handle different, play different styles of defense. So Whiteside you know, let's say for a second that Whiteside is Portland Whiteside and the Jazz are suddenly in the 50th percentile when he's on the floor defensively. That's not asking a huge amount. It's better than what the Jazz were, but the Jazz last year defensively were really, really good for the for the whole year, right? They were the number one defensive team in the league 
by 0.6, and they had a glaring flaw for 14 minutes a night. So if Hassan Whiteside makes them better in those 14 minutes, you've got the number one defense in the league getting better defensively. Now, we'll see. No, I agree. I agree that for what what they spent on him, your yeah, minimum salary coming across. And for, again, people know that, that I shit on Whiteside a lot. I think it's a great signing for them to get him in and play him in that role because that is his role now. He's not a, a guy that he's a starting center. And this is going to be it on Whiteside. But I think it's great for him to come in. But David, I, I've got to... I've got to tell you, your football's back. We are a couple of hours away from the NFL season opener kicking off. College football started already. And as always, Bet Online is your number one spot to put all of your betting action for pro and college football. Get all the updated odds, props, and contests, including online's biggest half-million-dollar mega contest and the world's largest $200,000 NFL Survivor contest, which is open now at Bet Online. And you've still got a couple of hours to go and place an opening day bet on their super promo, where you make a bet on the Buccaneers versus the Cowboys. And if you lose, you get $25 refunded if you are a first-time customer who signs up using the promo code NFL100. Bet Online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports, from football, basketball, boxing, even your favorite Vegas casino game. So don't wait. Take advantage of all of their special offers for the 2021 season. BetOnline are your online sportsbook experts. And uh, another familiar issue that people may have, David, is having multiple devices for different TV shows, live sports on one thing, your favorite shows on another, highlights on your phone, borrowing your neighbor's login. That's too much hassle. It's too much clutter. There's too many remotes. Well, there is a way now to get all of that stuff together, and it is called Direct TV Stream. It brings your live TV and on-demand shows together in one place like never before. So you can watch your favorite sports, movies, and TV shows all together in one spot. And that means no more juggling remotes and no more having to buy another device ever again. And the best part, there is no annual contract. So get rid of the clutter and the confusion and get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. You can learn more at directtv.com. That's directtv.com. Compatible device required and content varies by package. Let's talk injuries for this team, David. And I think... Oh, I'm sorry. I was at directtv.com. Sorry. Look it up and find out exactly what... I, I was, all, all I was the great trying stuff. to figure out how to adjust. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Injury update. This is the first time I've done where I think... I think maybe you can correct me if I'm wrong. I think everyone's healthy heading into the season. Yeah, I mean, I guess we'll find out. We haven't been to training camp yet, so there haven't been any surprises. There always seems to be like... Doesn't there always seem to be like... You get to training camp like, oh, yeah. so... Like, frankly, when Mike Conley came to training camp for the Jazz the very first year... Like he didn't really participate. Turned out that he was having a little issue that no one was really aware of. So I, I don't know. I have not seen the guys yet. Uh, some of them are in town right now. Um, but so, you know, maybe we're going to get a little surprise that somebody is, you know, dinged up that you didn't expect. I, I think if I remember correctly, I think George Niang last year might have come to camp a little bit nicked up. Like it happens, right? And I think, you know, Josh, this year, to me, and from a fantasy standpoint, I think this is like the edge someone could have. Remember two years ago when we moved the start of the season forward for the first time and we started yeah. October? All of the veterans were like terrible for about 25, 30 days because their natural biorhythms, which was to get them ready by about Halloween, were off. They had all kind of gotten used to the model of how they got their bodies ready. And then all of a sudden they had to start 14 days early. And if I remember they were poor. I'm really curious to see what happens with veterans who, you know, maybe everyone's biorhythms have just been knocked to crazy since March 11th of 2020 and it doesn't, and they don't have it anymore. But I, I remember sitting in summer league and watching or watching on television and seeing Mike Conley at summer league and thinking, Oh, well, he's probably come back. And they used to all go to Vegas to go get a little run. And it was like the signal, like, I'm going to get myself ready to go now. Well, 
that used to work because you'd get yourself ready to go in July and then you'd have to be ready by October 1 for training camp. And you had all of July, all of August, all of September. You had three months. This year we were sitting in summer league in like, what, the middle of August and Mike Conley's there. And I'm like, oh, maybe Mike's warming. Well, okay, he's only got a month, like six weeks. So I think it's going to be really interesting to watch veterans early. And and I think, I don't know if it'll be injuries or just way out of kilter. Yeah, and, and that happens often at start of the season. You see these weird things, and maybe it is more amplified this year that people just shoot like, you know, 30% from the field for two weeks. And you go, what's going on here? Then it'll eventually pick up later on in the year. But that happens yeah, a bit where people are just off because of whatever's happened and, and things that yeah, might be a change in date, but it might be things that happen behind the scenes. And we see that really amplified in those first couple of weeks of the season. Question for you. They brought in Rudy Gay, who played a lot of center in San Antonio last season. Do you think that the move of getting Rudy Gay and Eric Pascal, who we've you've spoken about already a little bit, is that going to... Is that going to mean there's a little bit more small ball or will it just be Gobert, Whiteside, all 48 minutes? Or will we see Gay at center and Pascal at center a little bit more as they change up, I guess, that that bench unit style somewhat? My guess is that Gay and Pascal will take the George Niang minutes to start um, and that they're, you know, Rudy Gay certainly, I think, was better at center last year in San Antonio and talking to people around that who were with the Spurs kind of said like, hey, that's what Rudy Gay is. But he also didn't have Rudy Gobert behind him. So Rudy Gobert has made a lot of players, Boyan Bogdanovich, frankly, you know, maybe Mike Conley at this stage of his career, some other guy, Joe Ingles at times, who aren't always the greatest, Jordan Clarkson, aren't the greatest defensive players in the world and made them look okay. And so maybe that will allow Rudy Gay to play a little bit more for. But I do think you will see the Jazz fiddle around with that idea of playing small. But I will say this, and I just think it's a misnomer across the entire league. When we talk about, like, the Clippers went small on the Jazz, they didn't go small. They were 6'8", 220 across the board in four of their five positions. So their center was small because he was 6'8", 220, but every other position, they were above average. Even Reggie Jackson at 6'4", is bigger than the average point guard. The Jazz are the opposite. Mike Conley is small for a point guard. Donovan Mitchell is small for a shooting guard. Royce O'Neal is small for a power forward. You go small at center, you don't have any length at all to cover the floor. So I think, I mean, that's truly going small. And going small, I actually don't think it's a very good idea. Going skilled and going spread is a pretty good idea, and that's what the Clippers did to the Jazz in the playoffs. Yeah, I think a lot of people interchange those terms as well. They like they, they go small versus going for shooting or going for skilled players, and like let's you know, get someone out there who can you know, shoot at center versus someone who's smaller. It doesn't matter if they're seven foot or if they're six foot eight if they can shoot and handle the ball. Like it's the same impact. So it's not about necessarily size. It's about bringing those different skills in and and as you said you're bringing those other positions in as well because the Jazz are they are quite small right across the board and like you're at your boy and Bogdanovich will play at the four at times whereas on other teams he might be a two given the the size that that he has out there and it is it is something that again I didn't really think about that from a perspective of the Jazz being just small at every position outside of you know the behemoth that sits there at center and everyone else is just a little bit more undersized but you brought up Donovan Mitchell who is a bit undersized for a shooting guard he took um I think a step forward last season was awesome in the playoffs as well, which he seems to always be. But yeah, what what step, what does he do this year? Like, what what is the next thing that Donovan Mitchell does to get to yeah, the next level up, where it's not you know instead of being a a bench all star player, it's like in the mix for a starting all star or in the mix for an all NBA. Not like what does he have to do next? 
So I think Donovan actually took a fairly mammoth step. I don't think it got talked about enough in the league. It was big. Uh, maybe because Shaq, maybe because Shaq was kind of foolish. Mm-hmm. Um, but if if you look at the two numbers that were really significantly different, he took two more threes a game. Yep. And he took a free throw and a half yes, a game more. That's the one. That- and he hit. 39 he took nine threes a game last year and hit 39 percent on those yep like there aren't like go run through the league last year there aren't a lot of guys you can go take out you know whatever metric you want to put in and i'm pretty certain you go take eight three-point attempts called seven or eight and 38 and a half percent you're you're in a pretty slim territory the thing that i think is untalked about with donovan is what a really truly great shooter he is so Spot up three point shooting over the last four years. Joe Harris is the best in the NBA. Donovan's second. Okay. Donovan's the second best standstill three point shooter in the NBA. Now, you know that's not necessarily what he does, but I would like I would like to see can they get him off more picks, more let him play off the ball a little bit so teams can't zero in on him as much. The next step for him is does he take the Bradley Beal Dame Lillard step? And you know that was D- Bradley Beal went from taking five threes to taking nine. He went from six free throws. Went taking eight. And if Donovan suddenly averages eight free throws a game, he's going to average 28, 29 points a game. Yeah, that, that's the one to me is the free throws. And I've been banging on about this for Mitchell for ages. I said, look, he's got top 10 fantasy potential if he gets to the line. And he went from, what, 4.7 to six free throw attempts per game. So he's going to hit them at a huge rate. And if that goes from six to eight or six to nine, which might be a little bit harder with the NBA allegedly cracking down on some of the foul drawing antics of some other players in the NBA. But if he gets to eight, then you're right. That adds two more points onto his game. He becomes a 28 point scorer. And he adds that extra free throw boost and he really does step up. So I, I think the trajectory on the free throws has been great. has been something that I've been looking for. It happened last year and let's hope he can get to that uh, that other step. Now, David, I, I ask guests on this show questions all the time and people always want to know the answer to this one. Can you fix your own car? Um, like windshield wipers, like change carpet, like... Um... <laughs> I can't I can't change windshield wipers. I can put the, uh, I can put the, the water in for the, my washers. Do you put it in the right place? So far, yes. Okay. I mean, if there's a YouTube video that my daughter can access to show me, then I have a chance. Well, if you are unlike me or unlike David and you do know how to fix your own car, why would you waste time and more importantly money going to a local chain auto parts store to get those parts for your car? you got to go talk to the guy behind the counter. He's going to have to order the parts in. It's going to take forever and you're going to pay him more money for that privilege. Get out of here. Order it yourself. Go to rockauto.com. You've got access to a computer on your phone, in your pocket. You can find these parts that you need for your car very easily. Rock Auto is a family business who have been serving auto parts customers online for the last 20 years. Why would you spend 30, 50, 70, even 100% more for the same parts for your car or truck? And if you go to rockauto.com, check out their amazing website and their vast selection of parts. You can see everything you need for your car or truck. Put it into your basket. And when you go to check out, because you will, because the prices are amazing, you write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. One last question, David. Let's hope you have the right answer to this one. What's your favorite flavor of Bilt Bar? Uh, coconut brownie. I haven't, um, I haven't had it. People, have- You're the second one who's told me that, and I have not got one of those yet, and I need to get one. I have a whole bucket full of grasshopper cookies and coconut brownie chunks, and that's kind of my daily built bar. Oh, I need to get those coconut brownies. You are the second person who told me it's the best one, and I haven't tasted it, and I'm uh, I'm annoyed. But there are other good flavors out there. Cookies and cream is my favorite. Raspberry, orange, 
chocolate, salted caramel, mint brownie, plus all the special edition ones they throw out there. If you don't know what your favorite is, get a mixed box of Built Bar. They are the best tasting protein bars ever, but they're not just delicious. They are also healthy. 17 to 18 grams of protein. Let me ask you this question. I've asked this a few times as well, David. Built Bar got the 17 to 18 grams of protein, four to five grams of sugar. You guys don't measure things in grams. Do you, so how, why, why are we... Do you know what that means? 17 to 18 grams is a good amount of protein, but you don't know what a gram is, do you? No, I have no idea. Come on. Like actually I do my coffee I do my coffee in grams. I have my iced my my I think it's called Kyoto iced coffee. So I do, you know, 250 grams of water and 150 grams of ice over my 25 grams of grounds. So for coffee I, I know my my grams. I think roughly, roughly, I think it's about 30 grams is one ounce for my memory, but I don't know. Anyway, regardless, these are healthy protein bars that taste delicious. So go to built.com, use our promo code LOCKED15, L-O-C-K-E-D-1-5, and you'll save 15% off. So built.com, promo code is LOCKED15, save that money. Built Bar are the best tasting protein bars ever. Now, one last jazz question for you, David, before I get you out of here. Mike Conley, the hamstring was an issue last season. Will he come into the season, do you think, with a plan to keep him healthy through the playoffs with strategic rests and limited minutes? You're keeping him in like the 27, 28 minute a night game. You're sitting some back-to-backs. Will that be a predetermined plan or will they just play it by you if that flares up during the season? My expectation is it's a predetermined plan again that he wouldn't play back end of a back-to-backs. Just a side, like really insider Utah Jazz note. The really interesting one is if you go look at the Jazz second games of back-to-backs, they're like almost all of them are on the road against like the best teams in all of the NBA. Awesome. So I actually would think they're the games in which you, everyone thinks that you really want to go to Brooklyn and win. The truth is you got to go to Oklahoma City and win, and you got to go to Houston and win. You're not supposed to go win in Brooklyn. So if you lose in Brooklyn, it's not that big a deal. You you can you actually have to go to Oklahoma City and Houston and win. So it's interesting if you look at the Jazz schedule, their second game of back-to-backs, I think, are against Philadelphia, Milwaukee, Brooklyn, Lakers, Clippers, Denver. And there's one other elite team in there where they're back into the back-to-back. So it would be curious to see how the Jazz manages. Do they keep Conley for the most important games? Or do they kind of do what I said, which is it's actually, I know it sounds backwards to people, but it's more important in your standings to make sure you don't lose to Houston than it is that you win in LA. Yeah, you got to uh, TCB. you got to take care of business in those ones. you got to win the games that you need to win. And then uh, anything else that comes on top of that is uh, is a bonus. So I tend to agree with you, but... Yeah, the competitive nature of players and coaches will be like, we want to take on the best and we want to beat the best and we want to show them what we've got. Um, and you know, yeah, maybe take their foot off the gas against weaker opponents. And that is really when you get into trouble. If you uh, if you take an opponent for uh, for granted, then uh, that's where that's where upsets come from. And uh, I tend to uh, tend to agree with you on that one. It's going to be interesting to see how this happens with Conley through the year, who's had those hamstring problems for the last couple of seasons, David. That'll do it. And it's particularly important, Josh, because there's seven really, really, and I actually think eight really good teams in the Western Conference and the play-in game, now that everyone's experienced it, you're going to see teams strategizing differently to make sure they're not seven. Yeah. Like you used to go hit five or six and be like, ah, it's not that big a deal. Maybe we'll get home court. Maybe we won't. Now, all of a sudden, because I, I mean, I really think the Clippers in Portland are both much better than people realize. I'm high on the Clippers. I'm high on Portland. I'm high on Denver. I'm high on, um, uh, and I'm high on Dallas much more than I think most people are. So I have the West eight really pretty loaded. You go end up with an injury or you 
you lose those games, you could be in trouble and have to play them playing game. Yeah, the teams are definitely looking at that play and go, we do not want any part of this bullshit at all. And they will be fighting to get out of that spot. And it is going to be really intriguing, which is exactly what the NBA wants. That's why they brought it in. So it is going to be good to see that sort of stuff going on at the end of the season. David, that'll do it for us today. Of course, all the jazz news, you'll have it covered for whoa, us. Whoa, wait, wait. Uh, whoa, yeah. whoa, whoa, whoa. I'm very concerned. What, what's wrong? I'm talking to my Australian guy who's making fun of me about not knowing uh, Rams. And I didn't have any Joe Ingles anything in this thing. What do you mean? Like, about? what's going on? <laughs> okay, let's let's throw a Joe Ingles question in there. Like, I don't know what to I don't know what to say about Joe. Is he going to be literally any different to his been in the last three years? Well, I mean, last year was pretty ridiculous. He did slump yeah, he a tiny bit at the end of the year. <laughs> yeah, but, I mean, got- he was having one of the best and most impactful offensive seasons in all of the NBA last year. 45% from three is probably not entirely replic- replicable, no. but I mean, he is been hovering over it right at that 40% for most of the last two years with two 44s in there. So um, he was incredible last year. That shooting was amazing. Um, and, you know, the, the interesting thing to me about Joe is Joe really likes to be point guard. And I really like Joe as a catch and shoot guy. And the problem is that Joe can't pass to himself. So sometimes it's good if Joe's in on the floor with Mike or Donovan and, and someone else is giving him the ball or if Jordan would pass it to him sometimes so he can shoot a three. <laughs> I was just going to say that about uh, about Jordan Clarkson, but I'm glad you said it. And not me. Uh, I think Ingles had a true shooting of like 70% before he was pushed into the starting lineup at the end of the season, which for a for anybody is ridiculous, but for a wing player uh, and a, or a guard is, uh, is pretty insane. And I thought he should have been the sixth man of the year, but it doesn't matter. It went to a jazz player anyway. David, thank you for coming on Locked On Fantasy Basketball again. And thank you for everything that you have done with the uh, Locked On Podcast Network, of course. It's been awesome for this show, but uh, everything right across the network, whatever your favorite team or sport is, we've got you covered. Thank you very much for you because I am listening to Locked On Fantasy Basketball every day to prep for my NBA season that's coming up as a play-by-play announcer. So I appreciate all these previews. This one I'll have to listen and be like, oh, I already knew what that guy said. Yeah, it's, uh, you probably can skip this one. Just uh, leave it play on, uh, on mute in the background just so we get the extra downloads. Okay. And that will do it for today's show. Don't forget to follow this podcast, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, and on the Odyssey app on YouTube. Hit thumbs up, leave a comment down below, all of that stuff. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.